0: Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for the privilege of being here. We thank you for the fact that we still are in a nation where this is allowed. And uh, we thank you for that. We know that many of our brothers and sisters, not only today, but in times past, have not been able to meet openly around the person of Jesus Christ and to study the Word of God. And so, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for what you uh, teach us uh, through your Holy Spirit. Enable me to do that today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at the, the words, Ego, Emi, Jehovah, I am that I am and how the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the true vine. And I have to admit, from there, we got into this 15th chapter of John, and I've been distracted by that. And uh, just the wonderful truths that are there. And I, I just feel the need, not only for all of us, but for myself also, to be reminded or renewed in our understanding of just how do we abide in the vine? And more importantly today, how do we abide in his love? It's quite a subject. So let's turn to uh, John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. What a promise. Ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. Okay. All connected with abiding. By this is my Father glorified, that you, speaking to each one of us, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, this is the verses that we're centering in, verses 9 and 10 this morning. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. See the relationship. As the Father has loved me, perfect love, I... Jesus Christ, we're in the upper room speaking to the disciples and through us, uh, through them, to us, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. How do you do that? This is a fascinating passage. Does that mean that if I, if I fail to abide, he doesn't love me anymore? I mean you could probably look at that and say well it seems to me that's what it says but not really cuz let's read uh verse 10 if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love sounds like like what i just said sounds like Well, if you don't keep my commandments, then you won't abide in my love. But we know that his love is perfect. It's it's eternal. And we're going to deal with that here in a minute. His love isn't on again, off again. But let me put it this way. Are you enjoying, am I enjoying the love of the Father, the love of the Son, when I'm being disobedient? That's the issue here. If I'm not walking in him and in his word, that that doesn't mean that he doesn't love me while I'm in that state. I'm not abiding in his love. And, and my mind immediately goes, um, my, my flesh, I think, says to me, well, there's no way the Lord's loving you right now, doing what you're doing, Wittles. You know. Okay. Notice in verse 10, going back there, just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. The Lord presents himself here as the example, and I would say certainly the perfect example of what he's talking about. Did the father call on him to do some difficult things? Oh, my. He always did them. Remember, we have the words there in Hebrews. We won't go there, but let me read them. This would be Hebrews 10 and verse 7 and verse 9, where he said, I believe as a babe in the manger in his deity, I have come to do thy will. That's what I'm here for. Okay. to Keep that in mind. He didn't... He didn't come to be an example, to be a teacher. He was all those things, but he came to be the Savior. Okay, that's why he came. He said, a body thou hast prepared for me, that body would then go to the cross and die there for our sins and be raised up the third day. And then at another time when, when, a, when the subject was physical food, the Lord said, this would be John 4.34, the Lord said, my food, think of, I always think of this, you know, when you get really hungry, is food important? You know, it's time to eat. I, I've got to eat. I, okay, Jesus Christ said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Okay, what is he saying? My motivation, my My desire, my actual accomplishing is to do the will of him who sent me. Go to Matthew 26. I think I can certainly say we're coming here in Matthew 26 to verse 39. And... I believe this is the, the most difficult act of obedience to the will of God that's ever been done. Okay. Because the Lord is in the garden. We've looked at this often. And it says, he's got the Peter, James, and John, but he, he went beyond uh, a little beyond them, verse 39, and fell on his face and prayed, My Father... If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And then these magnificent words, knowing that he was going to suffer the wrath of a holy God, knowing that he was going to die physically a terrible death, yet not as I will, but as Thou will. That's abiding in the Father's love. I'll go also to John chapter 8 John chapter 8 and verse 29 8:29 29. and I'm going to read from verse 28 Jesus therefore said speaking to the Jews when you lift up the son of man when you put me on the cross then you will know that I am he is put in there, but it's, it's ego it's a me. to claim to be Jehovah, clearly a statement that he is. And I do nothing on my own initiative. But I speak the things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me, verse 29, is with me. He has not left me alone, get this, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him always abiding in the Father's love. Okay. I just couldn't leave this out. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 10. Ephesians 5 and verse 10, speaking to us, it says this. Trying to learn, in other words, our study of God's word, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. There's a lot of ways to read and study scripture. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you can say, I, I, I really love prophecy. I really love, uh, I love the Old Testament, those great uh, accounts of the people there and so forth. But we... But we better make sure that in our study of the word, we are trying to learn for ourselves. This is what it means to have a renewed mind. Okay? I'm trying to learn what am I not doing that I should be doing? What am I not thinking that I should be thinking? Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You think there's uh, room for improvement there? You know what I mean? Oh, my. Okay. Now, there's a, let me ask this question. How do you know God loves you? That's a huge question. How do you know that? And I think you might say, and I, I hope you would, well, it's in the Bible. Good, good. But then, the next thing I I would ask is, uh, where is it in the Bible? Okay, now, I know you well, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And I know that Jesus loves me, this I know. Okay? Sang that from the time I was young. Okay? Taught it to my kids. Okay, but here's the thing. I, I hope I can get this across. But when when we come to the Word of God, like I just asked you, what does it say He loves you? How do you know that? Okay. When you start looking at Scripture, it's almost entirely His love declared for you, is over and over and over and over again linked with one event. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection as declared in the gospel. What a terrifying thing that in so many places today, The gospel is being relegated to a lesser place, to a place not of prominence. If we do that, then we are not allowing people to see God's greatest declaration of his love for us. I want to say, before we start looking at a whole bunch of verses, I I want to say this. Don't get caught in the trap of, I wish I had better words, as looking at a verse like John 3.16 and saying, well, yeah, he he loves the world. Because that may not get it for you, if you know what I mean. It has to be personal. It has to be personal that God loves me. It's not, I think there's a very erroneous thinking that, well, yeah, yes, he died for, let's just say, for great numbers. <laughs> and not making it, he died for me. Because I can, I can think along these lines in a, in a wrong way. He died for, yeah, a whole bunch of people, but maybe not me. Okay. I want you to see what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2 and verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. This is a truth for those who have been born again through faith in Christ. And the life, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now notice what he says. Who loved me. You can see the, how personal that is. It's not, well, he loved everybody. But he loved, Paul says, going back to the time of the cross, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Boy, is that personal. That's... When he made that decision in the garden, which he he had always carried that decision, then when his hour had come, I like to think when he said... Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And the Father said, yes, you have to go to the cross. He made that decision for me. And I do believe that if it were only me or only you, he would have gone to the cross. That's huge. So there's this this truth that I find in Scripture that is continually linking... His death on the cross with his love for us. Okay, over and over and over again. So then I had to ask the question, why? Because that's the greatest declaration of love that there has ever been, ever will be. And everything else pales in comparison to that. I know that he gives blessings in time, but if you, if you make that the evidence of his love, what about when the blessing isn't there? What about when you're in a really rough place? You know? Because then it's very easy to say, well, he must not be loving me. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, and we'll pick it up in verse 5, it says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. In other words, this isn't our love for him, this is his love for us going to be demonstrated here, has been poured out with our, within our hearts the Holy Spirit made it known to us through the Holy Spirit who was given to us so we, immediately we go to the cross for while we were still helpless we couldn't remedy our situation for while we were still helpless at the right time Christ died for the ungodly what state were you in he did this He made this declaration of love for you, me, when we were ungodly. And then, for one will hardly die for a righteous man. You know, that's a tough one. Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. When that happens, oftentimes there's a the military, there's a Congressional Medal of Honor when somebody does something like that. Then it goes on and it says, so occasionally, rarely, somebody might die for a good person, okay? But God demonstrates his, what does it say? God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, we were against him, against what he stood for, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love this. Much more than, so Paul's addressing those who have been born again through faith in Christ, much more than, having now been justified by his blood because he died for us, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Now we have a living, ascended Savior who is praying for us, interceding for us. You get the picture? If he would die for you when you were his enemy, if he would die for you when you were opposed to what he uh, is all about, when you were helpless, if he would die for you then, how much is he gonna be before before you when you have been forgiven and are now an object of his love? If he died for me when I was the worst, and I, I always think of how, think of this, about 2,000 years ago, God the Father placed our sins on him. How many of those sins? Every one of them. And then he died for those sins. There's nothing, there's nothing that you could do that would shock God. Those sins were already, all, all of them were future at that point, if you understand that, and all of them were placed on him some of those we haven't, unfortunately, we haven't sinned yet, if you know what I mean. But all of them were placed on him, okay? And he was willing to do it as the ultimate act of love, okay? All right. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we're helpless, we're ungodly, we're enemies, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Okay. I want you to go next to First John chapter 3 and verse 16. We read here, We know love by this. By what? by the many benefits that he gives to us day by day. Doesn't say that, does it? I can't find that, okay? We know love by this, that he, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us. That's the greatest act of love ever, okay? So God always takes us back to that because it is the greatest act of love, and it is eternal in its ramifications, and he always takes us back to the greatest declaration of love, even though, I, I have to say, there are every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Those are a- acts of love. That That's not where he takes us. He takes us to the the greatest act of love that there ever was. So, verse 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. First John chapter 4, verses 9 through 19. You You're starting to see the pattern here? And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, here we are, the cross, to be the propitiation or the satisfaction of his holiness for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Notice, goes on, no one has beheld God at any time, got that in cement. That's a really important thing, because you'll have people in Scripture that say, what? I saw God. But Scripture says, no, you didn't see God. And God is invisible. He's a spirit. He dwells in unapproachable light who no man has seen or can see. Okay. All right. This is interesting. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. You see what that's saying? How, how can God, the unseeable God, be seen in you or in me? That's quite a statement. You can't see God, but you can see him in his people. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son back to the cross again, that the Father has sent the Son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. I love this. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. Founded in what? The gospel, the cross. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Then, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, and we'll start in verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Get this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Got a evidently a a plant illustration like a tree being rooted Okay. And that's important. What is it rooted and grounded in? In love. Okay? In God's love for us. What is God designed to carry us through the storms of life? When the storm's really blowing on the tree, wh- what is it? It's his love. How, do, how did he prove that love? Through the cross. I always go back to that. Okay. Okay. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, this is God's will for us, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. You know, I don't know how to stress this enough. What is... What has God given us to steady us and to keep us on track? It's his love. He always wants us to go back to that. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written for thy sake we're being put to death all day long. That's in this life. If you or I are looking for our confidence in God's love in our circumstances, there's a lot of times we're going to just have to shake our heads and say, I don't get it, I don't see it. I don't see it there. I, I don't know how to say it any, any other way, but do you get the audacity of this passage? How contrary it is to the way we think You know what I mean? The subject is, you cannot be separated from the love of Christ. But, for thy sake, we're being put to death all day long. We're considered sheep to be slaughtered. And in these serious words, verse 37, but in all these things, what things? We just read them. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Those Don't don't shout God's love to us. To me, it's just just audacious as far as the way I'd normally think. God's saying, don't forget the greatest act of love that has ever been done and declares to you my eternal love for you. Don't forget that. But on the other hand, it's going to be something else for you or it could be something else for you. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And of course, the human thing is, if you love me, why do you let these things happen? For I'm convinced, Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, says, for I'm convinced neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come Nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Huge. Okay. Let's go to John chapter 14. John 14, verse 15. Notice what the Lord says. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know what's beautiful about that? It's an obedience out of love. It's not an obedience out of fear. It's not an obedience out of, I will squash you, <laughs> you know, if you don't do this. It's an obedience that says, he loved me with an eternal love that chose me in eternity past. Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And, and that love is personal for me. And so if I love him, I'm going to please him. I'm going to do what, what he wants me to do. You know, the, the church is pictured as, presented as the bride of Christ to be. You know, you think of a, a wife who dearly loves her husband. What does she want to do? She knows he loves her. She wants to please him. That's what we should, that's where, where we are designed designed to be. Then in John 14, let's go to verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them. He's speaking now in the upper room. He who has my commandments and keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Then let's go to 1 John chapter 3. John wrote about this. It's why he's called the Apostle of Love. First John chapter three and verse twenty-one, beloved, <laughs> got that? <laughs> See the first word there, <laughs> beloved. What does that mean? <laughs> Loved by God, beloved. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight and this is his commandment first of all that we believe in the name of his son jesus christ next and love one another just as he commanded us and the one who keeps his commandments abides in him ah abiding in him is loving him because of his love for me and this allows me to stay under that wonderful umbrella of his love. Okay, Recognizing it, enjoying it. Because if I'm sinning and in, in rebellion against him, I'm not enjoying his love. Even though it's there. Don't test it, because I, I think it, you, you know what I mean. If you're, if you're not walking with him, you're not reveling in his love. So you get right with him and get back on track. Verse 24, and the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit which he has, which he has given us. And then let's go to First John chapter 5. Verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is born of God. Whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. That's a great thing. That's a, a great desire for all of us, I think, to love the brethren. You know, realizing, look. This person, in the local body, anywhere that you meet another believer, he's in the family I'm in. He was brought into that family by the love of God, manifested on the cross, and he put his faith in Jesus Christ, and he's my brother. He's going to be my brother forever, you know? That's an incredible thing. I think about how we're going to know each other, and uh, fellowship with each other, and and, and the, beauty of, the beauty of that. So whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, so now you're in the family, born into the family, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. Aha! When we love God and observe his commandments, when we respond to his love by keeping his commandments. Okay? For this is, how's this? For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. They're the way to live. What is burdensome? When we go against it, when we don't keep His commandments, life gets nasty. You know what I mean? For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. I'd like you to go one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 19. What a statement in, in light of the, the whole Old Testament. Apostle Paul says, circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God and from what we studied this morning, out of our love for him because of his love for us. Okay. That's what makes you rooted and grounded, good foundation, strong rooting in that tree as we go through this life. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, help us to know the height and depth and uh, the breadth and the length, Father, of this incredible love. We know, you are love. And... You sent your son who willingly came uh, to die on the cross for us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.